Hello and welcome to PSG Review, the show ready for the new season as much as our team is, but still making peace with the fact that a large chunk of this summer is now behind us. So it's a bittersweet thing to start the season because it also means that the autumn is kind of on its way, but there is very little we can do about that. So let's enjoy some football instead. The start of Ligue 1 is always a very special time. And the summer, of course, is always a little bit nervous time for us football fans. Who is coming and who is going? The transfer window closes this year on September 1st, but today we look at the team we start the season with. Some may come and some may still go, but where are we now and with whom? I can tell you this much. This summer has been much more relaxed than some of the previous ones. Kylian Mbappe really gave us a real gift by extending his contract last spring. Uh, not only did we not have to mourn his departure, but also figure out who would be taking his place and how many players it would require. So in that way, it's all good. My name is Miko. Great to have you listening. We have a very good show for you today, wherever you may be or whenever it is that you're listening. It is much appreciated. I'm back from a small break. I went to Berlin with the family for a holiday and I've been going back and forth there, sometimes for work, sometimes for fun, for a best part of a last decade. And I must say that I have never before seen any PSG clothes, hats, shirts or what have you there. Like none, actually none of them. And I was watching there even the 2018 World Cup final and no shop, including the Nike's own shop, had even the French shirt for me to get. It's really been nothing, but this time was quite different. Because of Corona, I had three years since the last trip, but this time I saw a lot of PSG stuff on the streets. I saw more PSG shirts actually than any other shirts, including the German teams, including Hertha or Union Berlin, including Bayern or Dortmund. And much of it was Jordan collaboration, which I guess is quite noteworthy as well. If we set aside the football ambition for one second, that exclusive deal with them has taken the brand to a whole new level, but it wasn't exclusively that either. There were plenty of shirts from the various seasons there. It was a very nice thing to see. A lot of things have happened since the team returned from Japan. I don't cover Trophée de Champions because I was boycotting it, but let's talk about some of the deals that have happened since the last episode. That time, last episode, we were discussing the undesirables, the players who are not part of the plans with varying degrees of willingness to live their lives in Paris or their paycheck from PSG. The ball is rolling now and the first departure is Gini Wijnaldum. I was saying last time that I considered him the most likely to leave. In one season he didn't probably get too comfortable in Paris anyway, but more than that he has a football ambition and in a World Cup year uh, that requires some playing minutes. There is no way around it. So he's going to AS Roma on loan with option to buy. That option becomes an obligation. According to some Italian sources, if he plays half of the matches, uh, the other version is if Roma makes it to the Champions League for the following season. That means top four in Serie A. PSG will pay part of his salary, but still a lot less than it would have been if he didn't go. Things for Wijnaldum didn't work out in Paris, but I do like the player. He seems like a good guy and wish him all the success. 
uh, to be clear, when I'm recording this, there's no official information, but we have seen the videos and images from Rome Airport where the fans were welcoming him. So I take that as a confirmation. And when you hear this, the official announcement may also already have happened anyways. Another departure in waiting seems to be Idrissa Ghana Gay, who came from Everton and now might be going back there. Again, nothing official, so nothing conclusive, but all signs, at least at the moment, seem to suggest that it could happen. To be honest with you, of course, these rumors, they go a bit back and forth. I I was hoping that by now we would have something more set in stone. Some days it looks very good and then there's some backtracking, but we go with the information at hand. Leandro Paredes has reportedly agreed on personal terms with Juventus to join his compatriot Angel Di Maria there. Now it is up to the clubs finding an altruistic arrangement. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how easy it is with Juventus, to be honest with you, but for the sake of the project, PSG might need to even compromise with that a little bit. Tilo Kerr became one of the undesirables for PSG after the signing of Nordi Mukiele, who has a very similar profile anyways. Uh, we talk about the incoming players soon, but Kerr has heavily been linked with Sevilla, who of course sold Kounde now during this window. Gerrard himself denied this rumor. I don't know if there was any truth to it or was it just a case of denying how far the negotiations were because at the time the rumors were suggesting that he basically was almost there already. At the time of recording he is a PSG player but seemingly with one foot out at least. He also of course is one of those players who has a World Cup ambition with his German national team so I imagine some kind of arrangement could be found certainly hope so for everybody's sake to be honest with you of course one of the departures this summer has also been Colin Dagba my fondest Colin Dagba memories are from the Champions League matches against Bayern in 2021 with injured Marquinhos our backline survived an incredible assault by then defending Champions League winners and Dagba with other players were playing some of their best football perhaps ever so far there Now he's on loan in Strasbourg after extending with Paris, so we don't know what the long-term plan is. But, you know, if we play with the back three, as it seems, at least for now, his position is a little bit tricky because he isn't a centre-back at all. Not sure how he translates as a wing-back either in this formation. But also with Hakimi and Mukiele, it won't be easy there either on 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 the side. We should not also forget that we have Timote Bembele. He's playing that position. Uh, who He's been on loan in Bordeaux last season. It wasn't a great season, obviously, for the club. They got relegated, but Bembele wasn't bad at all. I find him actually quite an interesting player, but of course he finished the season with the cruciate ligament injury, which he is working his way out of now. So his future is a little bit undecided. If I saw correctly online in his Instagram that he should be back uh, around... 26th of October or sometime around that. Dina Ebimbe could finally be getting his transfer to Frankfurt to join Kevin Trapp there. I, I hope he get a percentage of the resale because I don't think that the transfer fee itself will be very big. But I do think that he could do okay there in Bundesliga with enough chances and minutes if, if he gets them. Frankfurt, of course, is a defending Europa League winner as well, and they will play the Super Cup final against Real Madrid not far from where I'm recording here in my hometown, Helsinki, next week. Just to be thorough, of course, the departures also include Xavi Simons, but we have talked about that in the previous episodes already, and of course, Alphonse Ariola, who had been on various loan spells for the last few seasons. <laughs> 
After Vitinha and Uko Ekitike, the next new signing for this summer was Nordi Mukiele, a player born in Paris region who has been solid player for RB Leipzig for the past seasons. We have seen him playing against us in the Champions League as well. Like I said, his profile is such that he can play as a centre-back or right-wing back as needed. He has one cap with Le Bleu. I remember it very well because it was against Finland. But if all goes well, he should get a whole lot more in the future. Hopefully even making it to the World Cup. Some details of the Ekitike deal also, which of course happened already some time back. But his arrival from Stade Reims is on loan basis. And there is an obligation to buy for 35 million euros if PSG finishes top two in league. On that has been reported. He's a very talented player and his ceiling is very high. I, I trust that he will live up to that, which would make it a great deal for us in future. And if that wasn't enough, it can also be paid in installments, that transfer fee. This way doesn't all go into the one transfer window, but can be balanced out in time and th- therefore it leaves more Uh, room for other deals in the future windows as well. This is an incredible generous offer from Reims. I think we need to be very grateful uh, because they also had a more lucrative offer from other clubs as well. But since Ekitike wanted PSG, they obliged. Ekitike is their own youth product who has shown a lot of loyalty to that club for all the years. So they didn't try to push for something that he didn't want to Uh, this way, of course, one of the great talents can stay in France and will help League on to be all that it can be. So it's quite uplifting news. We we are hardly on the German model yet, where all the talent flows to one club for pittance. But in the bigger scheme of things, this is very positive to us. And I would say a good deal for French football in general. By the way, I wouldn't even want a French league to be like like the Bundesliga in that way. And I'm not a Bundesliga expert anyway, but it seems that there it's kind of like on an unhealthy level. I might be wrong on that, but that's how it looks to the outsider. Uh, during the summer, there's been some deals that have taken their time. Skamaka deal is definitely dead as he moved to London. He signed for West Ham, so we can definitely write that out from our rumors list. Screenyard deal has been on the table pretty much for the whole window, but Campos seems adamant not to pay the asking price, while Inter is equally determined not to bargain. So we don't know yet, but Renato Sanchez is now confirmed and announced by PSG and his contract which isn't alone, unlike early speculation suggested. I think Campos tried to negotiate that, but Lille didn't agree. But the contract is until 2026. The Portuguese midfielder comes, of course, from Lille, and he came to the knowledge of the football world in the 2016 Euros, where he was part of the winning team Portugal and was the youngest player in the Euros to score a knockout goal. He soon went to Bayern after that, but things didn't work out as well as in the Euros, where he was just phenomenal. The reality hit in Bayern. He had a short and not the most amazing loan stint in Swansea. But in Lille, he has been finding his rhythm again. Quite a few injuries, we have to be honest, but we know his level. It is very good. And more importantly, Christophe Galtier knows it more than what we do, because he was coaching him in the north of France. So I'm very excited about this. The, the midfield starts to look more youthful and exciting Remembering that we also have, of course, our teenage promise, Warren Zer Emery there as well, and even Edouard Michoud if he ends up staying. In the press conference before the league on start, Galtier mentioned that there is still one centre-back, one midfielder and a forward coming. 
if the forward indeed is coming, that may mean that Arnaud Calimuendo is on his way out, which I'm not massively excited about. Uh, I'd like for him to stay, but we will have to wait and see what it all means. So it seems that we still have few aces in our sleeves. For the players who need to be sold by the other clubs, the deadline is, well, it's not yet looming, but it's nevertheless approaching, so some idealism may disappear and deals will be done if they need to be done. We will see if there's something for our midfield and those other positions, who knows. This week, a rumor appeared as if from nowhere a few days ago that PSG would be interested in Bernardo Silva from Manchester City, of course. Silva knows Ligon. He has won it with Monaco when he was playing there with Mbappe. He's actually really an amazing player, but he will also be very expensive. And the question I think we need to ask also is that, is this the profile that we most urgently need? I mean, he's a kind of player that can make few miracles in the time of need. He's one of those players who could be really key in the last stages of the Champions League and, well, in any match, of course. But nevertheless, he is very expensive and our midfield is quite forward-leaning at the moment and I wouldn't mind seeing more of a defensive player there. A player like Kepram Turam comes to mind. I know Nice doesn't necessarily want to sell him, but you don't need anywhere near Bernardo Silva money to convince them otherwise, I imagine. When we talk about the midfield, the, the need for a defensive midfield, a more defensive profile than, than some of the others that we've had so far coming in or that what we already have. Uh, we also have the back three and Marquinhos had talked about this in one of the interviews recently and he said that with the back three he's able to see the space in front of him a little bit more fluid position, kind of like a little bit what he played under Tuchel during the most successful season and if we get another strong centre-back as had been talked about in a big match against a very strong team in Champions League having him out there out of the back three in the midfield sounds pretty fascinating certainly on paper at least uh, you know it's a possible prospect that we can really have a strong defence and still have a very strong defensive midfielder because uh, our forward movement is anyway I don't know if it's guaranteed, but we have a world-class players going forward. So that could be an option. The, the going rate for Bernardo Silva would be around 80 to 85 million euros. So that anyways is a big consideration. And then, of course, there is also the bizarre debacle with Frankie de Jong in Barcelona. I mean, I haven't seen any major rumors suggesting that he would come to Paris, but in Barcelona, they are signing new players left, right and center while unwilling to pay for his full salary with its bonuses. I mean, just imagine if PSG did something like that, but he could be available as well if we are willing to fork out the fortune. Personally, from these two, I'd much rather have Silva, but more than that, a solid six behind all the forward movement. But this is all speculation anyway, you know, for now at least, so we don't really have to take it massively seriously. But it is something that has been mentioned in the press. PSG starts the season with what I would consider a good solid team. Not all the undesirables were sold, of course, that was clear from the beginning, but we have done more than in most years in that department. What I like especially is that we have quite a good young core of the team. Donnarumma, Hakimi, Mukiele, Mens, who of course was bought after his loan, so technically he's also part of this Mercato. We have also Vitinia, Mbappe, Calimuendo, who's still here. We don't know if he will be when the transfer market closes. 
We also have Uko Ekitike, of course, now. And these are all players that I would consider young players who already are on a very high level, from sort of world-class to solid internationals or, or, or wonderful promises, certainly. Then we have players who aren't in football terms, young or old, I would say, Makinius, Kimpembe, Ferrati. They all have many great seasons ahead of them, undoubtedly. Who knows, even maybe the best is yet to come. And then we also have some solid experience. Okay, granted, Neymar is only eight months precisely actually eight months older than Verratti so he could be in the other category as well they could both be in either category they are both born in 1992 and both of course with massive experience and a high ceiling so we hope that long it may continue Messi, Ramos, Navas these are players that have seen a lot they have won a lot and achieved all sorts of things in football great to have a couple of those there in the mix as well you know of course there are others but I feel like it's a little bit more balanced than what we have had before We also, of course, have a new coach who has by now had some time to work with the players, with the new formation and everything else. We've been getting used to the formation and all in all, with the World Cup in near future, these players are so competitive that there should be no shortage of motivation. That's what I believe in. An interesting development is also that the French is returning as the main language of communication. Of course, I'm not sure how it was exactly last season and before, but Galtier as a coach, Equitiquea, Mukiele, they have native speakers, Sanchez seems to have a good level. Even Vitinha doesn't start from the scratch. And and with younger players like Men, Sakimi, Donnarumma, you imagine that all this makes the process much faster for them too. I'm sure Neymar's comprehension must be at least okay by now. Not sure how Messi and Ramos are doing, but Sarabia, Danilo, they also seem comfortable in French also. But I, for one, am immensely excited about what might be in store. I am an eternal optimist, sometimes to a fault, but this is going to be a good season. That is my hope. I'm, I'm not saying that anything short of Champions League victory will do because I'm not an idiot, but we should be in that competition with ambition and hopefully have a good run. You know, why not go all the way? That's what we're here for. But it is a complicated competition, that one. Uh, A lot of good teams there and the faith is in the details, nuances, professionalism, but also luck. Luck with the draw and luck with the injuries, but I don't have any reason to be negative about any of this, even if it is understandable that we have a new system and a new coach and, and one of the considerations with the new coach is that Out of all the things that he has, Champions League experience, which he has some, but, you know, the real kind of like a significant Champions League experience is one of the things that that he's a little bit short of. But I don't really necessarily doubt him. I think that he can do do it with these players also that we have at hand because before the, the teams that he has coached, you know, he has done as well as he could maybe with that material. And now he has entirely different material. So I'm, I'm not really... Um, too suspicious about his chances. But anyway, it is far too early to say anything conclusive, but the cursory look that this preseason has presented us, Christoph Galtier seems to be doing right things, and his calm but strict approach seems to have the blessing of the players as well. Of course, there will be big tests ahead, but so far, so good. A few words about the past now. I won't spend an awful lot of time on this because I had promised myself that I don't need to ever again worry about Mauricio Pochettino. Never again. And I don't, but he had given an interview for Argentinian news outlet called Infobe, where he was asked and talked about at length about his Parisian experiences. Now, uh, first of all, 
let it be said that we all understand that being a coach in Paris isn't easy and the expectations are very high. Sometimes unfairly high, it feels. There is a certain, I would say, an unhealthy obsession with the Champions League, which of course is massively important competition, but as a standalone goal, as I've been discussing many times in this podcast, you know, if the only acceptable outcome for a manager, you know, is to win that, it's not an easy thing to achieve. In that interview, uh, Pochettino talked about how other big clubs also were knocked out by Real Madrid, how he felt that Benzema's tackle on Donnarumma was something that should have been whistled, which uh, I definitely agree with, and how well things were going before the last season until the matches against Manchester City when Mbappe was also injured and how well it went domestically. Uh, These are all fair points on paper. But my challenge with Pochettino wasn't that he didn't win us the Champions League. I don't know if the leadership of the club would agree, but I have no major issue with that because it is, like I said, a very complicated thing to do. But my challenge with him is that with some of the best and the most exciting players in the world, we ended up playing some of the least exciting football in a very long time. He was struggling to come up with a functional style and identity. He stubbornly refused playing time for the young and hungry players, especially in midfield where we had barely motivated players who got all of the playing time. He was very stingy with the back three attempts, despite every time we tried it, we played better than almost any of the other times. Of course, you know, there were circumstances. There are always circumstances, but just to say, I hold things against him, but not winning the UCL isn't one of them. Pochettino also talked about the need for sports psychology, which is something that reportedly now will be invested in by the club. But when he says that in other clubs, the managers are given more time to build, I feel like he misses the mark. And I'm not saying that because I don't think managers should have more time. I think they definitely should have more time. And I think we need to get into that. And I hope that Caltier can have that opportunity afforded to him. But Pochettino was just not that guy. He didn't show much that would have made me have the belief that in due time things would change. He seemed to lack that ambition, the drive, the courage to try things out. And there seemed to be very little passion, which was a little bit ironic because when we signed him, he was our former player and he was to take over from Thomas Tuchel, who was going from one argument to another with Leonardo. Uh, Certainly so it seemed, and I don't even know who is to blame for all of that because both of them to me seem like quite strong personalities. Not the easiest ones for sure, but Pochettino's reign didn't bring much on the table. Many more excuses than solutions, unfortunately, and that, uh, rather than the failure to win the Champions League, to me, was the deal breaker. Of course, I wasn't the one who fired him, but there you go. Good to also remember that part of the deal that he signed with us to terminate his contract, undoubtedly it has a non-disclosure agreement, so he can't speak very freely about these things, you know, to get into the details, but this kind of interview can give some direction of what his feelings are at the moment. Fingers crossed the new era will be better and the early signs are certainly positive. PSG women are coming back bit by bit from their national teams and the Euros, you know, those ones who were part of it. Not a great success to any of our current players there. The squad needs a little bit of reinforcements for sure. Uh, Australian goalkeeper Lydia Williams came to Paris from Arsenal. She's a very experienced player. I I don't know how long she will play for us. For now, she has one year contract and it seems very much like this is towards the end of her career, but perhaps... We need that experience there also, especially the last season after that and all of its drama and hopefully this contract 
isn't cut short like last season with Stephanie Labe, who left after the Christmas as she retired from professional football. We don't quite know who Williams is here to replace. Is it Labe? Is it Vol who left? Is it Votikova who is coming back from her injury and operation? Uh, the goalkeeper situation seems to be a little bit up in the air, or at least I don't have a clear picture who should be our starter. During this summer, we also got a former Paris FC midfielder, Oriane Jean-Francois. This season, she will be a PSG player. The big question, well, one of them with our women's section has been, of course, the coach. If getting officially rid of Pochettino took time, even more of it was required by Didier Olnikol, who saw over the drama of last season, while little did we know that there had already been allegations of him being sexually abusive towards an underage player out of all the things, and verbally abusive otherwise, it's very frustrating. I trust the players, of course, who have made these complaints and their families, but I guess there needs to be a process that respects the regulations. Uh, you know, let it also be said that the club's own internal investigation, which ended just the other day, didn't find any problems in his behavior despite having not allowed him to finish the last season but there's still a broader judicial investigation to this and we will find out what they find out in due time all in all not a great look but finally there was an official communication by the club Didier Olnikol is out And the new coach in charge is Gerard Brasher. Apparently he had already started working behind the curtain while all these disputes had been addressed with the former coach. Brasher uh, is a solid coach, a very seasoned one. We have been talking about him a little bit already earlier in the show because the speculation that he would be the next coach uh, was already alive and well before it was officially now announced. He has won three French championships in the on three Coupe de France's and two Women's Champions League with OL from 2015 to 2017. And in two of those seasons, he was also nominated for the best FIFA women's coach. So his credits are impressive. Of course, we still need to figure out a few other positions in the on the pitch as well. I would say midfield is the most urgent one, but also in the absence of Katoto for the first part of the season, we need some solution for a striker. And I would say that we also need a solid centre-back because while Ilsted and Dudek are good, they're pretty good pairing there. I'm not sure if they are winning the Champions League kind of good, but they are nevertheless very solid centre-backs. But in their absence, the drop is significant. So we need something there also, some kind of reinforcement. I hope to see that before their window closes and the and also before the season starts. With the appointment of pressure, of course, Bernard Mendy is no longer part of the coaching staff, which is very unfortunate. I genuinely wish that he can get some first-team head coach experience in France or elsewhere and come back at the later stage. Uh, pressure deal is one year with another year option. PSG women also got no less than eight new promising players to our under 19s team. So what kind of effect will that have? Well, that remains to be seen. You'd imagine that few of the best players from the youth team will definitely become part of the first team. Women's division on match dates were literally published a few moments before I pressed the record button this morning. PSG starts the season in a little over a month on 10th of September. There's a preseason tournament before that and a, and a big match. The big match against OL is three months later on December the 10th and that is the last one before the end of the year break in the domestic season. But 
around that time there's going to be a lot of uh, Champions League matches also taking place it's it's quite congested time uh, time for PSG and 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 we can never underestimate the importance of of this particular match against OL because in the seasons past this is a kind of time when it is decided who will win the trophy that year of course there's two of those matches but nevertheless both of them are very crucially important and and it could be argued that PSG kind of like of course things could have happened later but PSG kind of lost their trophy already in the first match against OL last season so we hope that this time is going to be better and with the Champions League matches around that time it will be very interesting to see how it's going to go because of course there's a chance that we're going to play very difficult uh, Champions League match against some of the you know top teams top top clubs from from Europe we will we don't know that how it's going to go but there's also a chance that We will have a little bit easier matches from the Champions League because in the group stage, there are also those teams where we are really able to rotate. And, and I really think that, I mean, this is kind of like just from my memory, it's, it's, it's not precise science, but but I think that last season in the Champions League group stage, which we won, uh, I think, without conceding one goal, uh, PSG, were, we were rotating more than we were in the French League itself. So... So you never know how that's going to go. It's also a little bit matter of luck, but uh, but big matches there towards the end of the year for our women. Ligue 1 kicks off for our Parisians tomorrow as I talk on the Saturday, the 6th of August on the road in Clermont. One week later, we host Montpellier at the park in the first home match of the season. I'm very excited about this Ligue 1 season. I was already talking about it. And of course, I'm also very excited about the forthcoming Champions League campaign as well. The UCL group stage will be wrapped up very quickly because of the World Cup. So there will be a lot of matches there. And the stakes are not only high on the top of the league in France, but also very much on the bottom. Because Ligue 1 this season will see more relegations as they are decreasing the amount of clubs for the season after this that uh, I certainly hope so won't be our problem, but there will be more teams playing for their survival than what we are used to. That is all for this episode of PSG Review. Many thanks for listening. I know there's a lot of stuff online, let alone offline, you could be doing, and I'm very happy you chose this. We will have more updates and news coming as things unravel, but for now, cheers, take care of yourself and the ones around you, and peace. Peace.